Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, this is Joe from Archery World. Henry Bass with Archery World as well. And today we're interviewing Cabe Johnson, one of the owners of Spot Hog Archery. So welcome to the show, Cabe. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing really good, bud. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us. Uh, we've got a lot of customers that love your products like we do, and we want to kind of discuss all the ins and outs of the industry and everything that's going on with, uh, with uh, spot hogs. So uh, how you been, what's going on this year for you guys? Well, um, we, this year we didn't have any um, trade shows, so it was, it was a new year. That's usually something we spend the first three months of the year doing a lot of trade shows showing, you know, all the dealers and, and customers are our, our new products and whatnot. And we didn't have any, and so we were kind of unsure how things were going to go, but so far things have been fantastic. We actually have more sales this early part of the year than we've ever had. So it's been pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> well, that, that might scare the trade show hosts a little bit because uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they're probably thinking, oh, man, if, if sales are up and they're not here, uh, that, that could benefit uh, the companies. Uh, but the trade shows are important uh, in a lot of ways because it does allow, you know, shops like us to get it in their hands prior to it being released sometimes and uh, uh, being able to touch it, feel it, try to break it, you know, see what our think we think our customer base would like and then order off of that, that feel. So we understand the importance of the shows, but in a company like yours, um, that's, it's pretty standalone to begin with. Um, you guys are known for making like bomb proof stuff, you know, from releases to sites, uh, to rest so that it really um the, it's a testimony to your product that once you fill one of yours you know the next thing you're going to release is going to stay at the top as well so it's not as big of a concern for as many dealers when you decide to release new product um so let's let's start out by talking about the history of spot hog uh, cave uh so you grew up in it because your um, dad was the owner of Spot Hog, but let's talk about that a little bit and, and your perspective as you grew up helping and, and how everything started with Spot Hog. Yeah, um, my dad, basically, Steve Johnson, he was, he was a machinist for his whole life. That was his trade. And he loved archery, kind of had a broke brain for archery and, you know, did it recreationally with, you know, with his friends and whatnot. And uh, basically when over the years he got approached by a friend that asked him to make a release uh, a relaxed release which actually ended up becoming the cascade release and so he took and used his his uh machinist skills and he you know after work used the machines and made it made this prototype and it worked awesome it was a vast improvement i mean the, his friend had the idea my dad was able to take that idea and change it into something tangible uh, and that release, they spent, I don't know, many years making those releases. I mean, he spent, I mean, our kitchen table was full of these parts. He'd make these releases and they would sell them and so on and so forth. Uh, eventually, it kind of caught the attention of Freddie Troncoso, who was at the time the owner of Golden Key, which was a humongous ARS manufacturer. Matter of fact, they were the number one, you know, one of the number top ARS manufacturers in the world. And he asked my dad if he would make, uh, if he'd be interested in working with him on, on a, and collaborate with him and make it an arrow rest. Well, my dad took, 
thought thought great you know great opportunity here so he made up a prototype arrow rest um, which was a micro adjustable arrow rest which ended up becoming the golden premier which many years later became the number one arrow rest in the world but at the time it was kind of funny funny because freddie troncoso said he didn't think that he he didn't think that customers would be willing to pay the type of money it would be for a micro adjustable arrow rest but they went ahead and put it on the market anyways and it like i said it blew up and to everybody's surprise and my dad was able to at that point he had so much business that he had to stop making stuff on the kitchen table and he had to take and you know mortgage his home and invest into a shop and some machinery and basically uh, be able to take and have the funds to be able to take and get everything started so they put everything on the line um, and in the meantime you know me and my brother were in middle school and high school and we're helping out after school and, and on weekends kind of doing what we can. And that's kind of how everything got started for us. Well, and what year did that cat, when he first started doing this uh, from the hobby to the, I think I can make a good release. What year was that release? Do you recall? Um, it was in the mid to late eighties when he first came out the cascade release and we weren't doing the, um, we weren't doing the golden premiere hot and heavy until man, probably early nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And we, we made several other arrow rests for golden key as well, but that was kind of the, the catalyst that was able to get my dad to a point where he could quit his job and start this thing full time. And it was crazy. I mean, he worked seven days a week, you know, and I don't know, I would hate to think how many hours in the day, but you know, kind of that American dream. Uh, he His whole thing was this would be great to be able to do something I love, you know, instead of making part, you know. But the thing is, is, you know, when he had to spend that much time to get it started, it was it was a little bit of a terror on him. I don't think it was quite what he had originally had hoped for. Gotcha. Well, and then you said you were in middle school and your brother was in high school. I, um, so well, we were both, I mean, we're, I'm, a, I'm older than him. So oh, gotcha. we, we were both in, um, Middle school is kind of when the Cascades were coming, you know, was uh, kind of hitting their stride. And then when we were in high school is when the Golden Premier was really taken off. So let's talk about you and the industry for a minute. So when did you decide that, you know, working in the business and, and alongside with your brother and your dad was right for you? And how did that happen? Um, That was a little bit of a tough choice because I always got like, super grades in high school and so i had a lot of opportunities to go to college and i had had some great opportunities and some scholarship stuff going on but my dad said he goes look he goes you can you can go to college if you want but he goes you haven't most people go to college to be able to get themselves an opportunity a, a good opportunity to do something they enjoy why don't you come and do this for a little while see if it's something you enjoy see if it's something you like you have an opportunity here what do you think about doing this? He goes, I will teach you how to engineer. I will teach you everything you need to know. And I thought, well, goodness, you know, if this, if, if there's an opportunity right here, what more could college really offer me than this opportunity? And so I figured that college could wait and I can jump in here and see how this goes. And the rest is history. I ended up engine, you know, coming in, being taught how to engineer, taught how to run a business and, uh, we are doing that to this day. Well, and, well, and that's a good story um, as far as as how you got into it. Now, the, the thing that I think you probably recognize and, and that you want uh, probably people to know is, is your education 
didn't stop when you leave left high school. It probably just started to accelerate, you know, through your your father's experience as an engineer to begin with. So you went straight into college classes through him, essentially. It's what Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. And it was it was definitely um it was definitely, you know, a real hands-on experience as opposed to maybe, you know, doing a lot of the, the, you know, the book work. I got to do it firsthand and got to be taught by somebody that obviously had a knack for it. And so I was able, in my opinion, I was able to get taught from the best. Well, and, and that's important, too, because uh, I think what, you know, I didn't go to college myself. And so um, and I knew that that could hurt me in some ways, um, if I wasn't careful, but you have to have a drive and a desire to, to move forward. And you really have to have a lot of good mentors, um, almost like professors that are willing to put their time into you, to invest into you, uh, to teach you the knowledge they have. And I think that's what your dad did to you. hundred percent, hundred percent. You said it, you said it as good as it could be said. Um, so in, in the business, where did you start and where are you now? Oh, well, when I was in middle school, my dad had me polishing rotors, you know, that was going to go in the cascade. Um, you know, he's paying me by the piece and I'd go out and make a little bit of money that I could, you know, spend on my little hobbies and interests when I was in middle school. And then when I got into high school, um, I just worked at running the CNC machines on in the summers. You know, a lot of kids in our area work on farms. I was yeah. building golden premieres, you know, and working uh, the, the, the business was going so well at that time that we have we're running uh, 24 hours a day. And so I worked a uh, swing shift one summer. I worked a graveyard another summer and basically just kept machines going. Um, we needed all the parts we could make. And then, like I said, when I graduated, I spent a lot of time um i spent initially spent a little time running machines and then as as things progressed i ended up taking and doing some running basically the whole entire shop uh like the shop foreman and then it moved into where i started started to design and started having input on designs and then eventually it became where the design started becoming you know me being an avid archer um the ideas started coming from me like, Hey, this is, we should do something like this. And, you know, and then we'd put our heads together and work on trying to come up with the best design to do that. And so it was kind of just a, a just a, an evolution that it took a little longer than probably what I was originally hoping for. Cause obviously when you say, I'm not going to go to college, teach me how to be an engineer, you're hoping that that's going to happen overnight. And well, it was a little slower pace than probably what I wanted at the time, but I was patient and uh, I don't regret my decision. I think it was a it was there's no opportunity that I don't think I could have gotten high school that was going to supersede the opportunity I got here. All right. Well, that's a good way to say that. Um, so before we start talking about the process, um, let's talk about one more thing. I know, you know, obviously COVID last year and everything else. Um, what we saw in our shops was a boom in archery because people wanted to get outside and do something with their family. Um, did you see that on your side? Yeah, we actually, when the COVID hit last year, we had to shut down or we had to go to basically a skeleton crew for about three months because we had to do the social distancing. We had to do follow all these regulations and it was, it was kind of a bad deal. I think a lot of dealers were a little timid in the beginning to, um, or they didn't know what was going to happen. And 
Well, what, and so after about three months, we realized that the the orders were starting to pick back up. And I think a lot of dealers got a little more confident that the, the economy started opening back up. And basically, uh, we got we got a boom of orders and we hired pretty much everybody back, plus a few. And we ended up actually having a banner year last year, even with a shutdown where we cut our crew by, a you know, to about a third. We ended up actually having our best year ever. Um, and we had orders clear up through the end of the year. And it was what was interesting is we were trying to, like, understand what was going on. I think because a lot of the industry was shut down and people were locked up, I think a lot of people took that opportunity to get outside and get in the outdoors and go out into the woods. And um, I know personally, I know several people are like, this is great. You know, my kid normally plays football in the fall. We're going to go hunting. There is no football. And so it right. kind of opened an opportunity for families to get out and do um, do outdoorsy stuff. And, you know, we were, we were lucky enough to be part of the outdoor industry and get, uh, get, uh, that opportunity to, to help them, help them go, go have some fun, you know? And so that yeah. was really cool. And I think, I think that the, they're not being sports and some people not having, not having uh, a steady, you know, steady work, um, really, really helped us and helped a lot of the outdoor industry. Well, I think you're right on that. Exactly. You know, some of the, the school sports that they would normally do uh, with them not happening it allowed the family to do more things um, together, you know, out in the woods. And we've seen that this spring even or as the spring starting to come, we're seeing more people prepare for that same attitude with that same attitude um, right now in our in our shops uh, that they want to go and do those things, you know, so that's a, a great thing. Now let's talk about the process. Henry's got a, a bunch of questions for you on that. All right. So when you're going into designing a site and release, what all, what are all the basics that you kind of cover? And then what, I guess, what all goes into it? Um, we, our biggest thing is we're not in the business of just copying what everybody else is doing. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're making a release, you know, releases have been around since, since the beginning of time. But a lot of ours is we're trying to improve on what's out there. So a lot of times when we're using the equipment, if it's something, if we see that there's a, you know, a insufficiency in something, we won't, we look at it and go, man, I wish it would did this. And then all of a sudden that immediately we're like, that's, that is a potential product. And so a lot of it is, is we're trying to take and see where, you know, we've done a lot of products that are pretty unique, but we've also done a lot of just major improvements on products. Um, and right. so it kind of, that's kind of where it starts and us being archers makes it easier for us and some people in some, because there's a lot of people that in the archery industry that are more business oriented as opposed to archery oriented. So we're probably not the best businessmen, but we're archers. And so that kind of helps us, I think have a little bit of an edge in the industry because we can see and, see where the needs are we can see what's missing we can see ways to improve and so we for what we make you know lack in business i guess business expertise we make up with uh knowing the industry uh inside and out so a lot of it is is just trying to improve on what's out there or trying to fill a need that we personally would like on our bows and our equipment right and, and one way that we can tell that that's kind of the the grounds that you guys have taken is, is when you look at a, a spot hog site, you can tell that there's no expense spared on it. Right. I mean, there, a lot of people will look at them and, and say that they're overbuilt, but they're built 
probably to the standard that all archery equipment should be built to because you don't it's one of those sites that you don't need to go buy one because it's going to break you it, it's pretty much a lifetime site is is kind of how i look at the spot hog stuff is because of how meaty everything is and and reliable it is versus some of these other sites that kind of look at cost versus reality and go okay well we can we can make five dollars more on this site if we make this piece of metal a little bit thinner or put plastic here or do this or do that where you guys kind of take a different approach to that aspect because you guys are archers and not you know like you said you you put more focus on the the archery side of things versus the business side of things and i think that it tells in some of those products you know yeah we um one of the things is is all of our products is you know it's stuff that we would put on our own bows i mean we've all been in that situation where we've had equipment fail and that's something that, that that's a pet peeve for us you know we want to make sure that the equipment is going to you know if, if i get to to my hunting spot i want to be able to look down and know that my equipment's all in the place it was when i left left the truck um or if i'm in a tournament i want to know that if my bow gets knocked over that i can pick it up and shoot shoot the next arrow in the dot and so right you know we we try to build all this stuff so that um it can do what it's meant to do and we don't have to worry about failure and so you know it's the the, the dependability is probably one of the the number one things that we're trying to do uh, and the other thing is too is like if it if it's not something that I would take out of the package and want to put on my bow, it's probably not something we're gonna do. You know, it's right. it's you know, and that goes for all of us. I mean, not not just me. We have, you know, a lot of minds here that we all collaborate and work together to come up with the best products we can. Um, but it is we all have that in our heart is like we're this is not this isn't about business. We want to help people be better shots. And so you know, the dependability and helping people shoot better and enjoy the sport as much as we all enjoy it is probably kind of the heart of what we do. Right. So <clears throat> now we're talking about kind of like the design and stuff like that. How many machines and employees and shifts and all that stuff do you guys run right now currently at Spawhog? We, oh, I think we have um, counting machines in my head. I think we have eight machines, but we recently got three. In the last four years, we got three horizontal milling machines that um, pretty much run around the clock now. We run those machines. Uh, we, we run 24 hours a day, seven days a week right now in the machine shop. And uh, in the assembly room where we assemble all the parts, um, they, don't, they don't work around the clock. But this is the first year we're going to actually have a swing shift in the assembly room. Um, just because we are trying to keep up with, keep up with the, the orders and we have roughly about 35 employees and that, that, that's a little seasonal, you know, in the summertime when we're getting, you know, people are getting ready to go hunting. We'll, we'll hire some summer help to kind of help spike production a little bit. Right. And so what's one of the things that you guys do to keep up with kind of like the supply and the demand of the market? It just I mean, I know you kind of just touched base on that by ramping up and stuff. Do you guys um, do anything as far as get, you know, trying to get more machines or anything like that? Or we're, we're trying to um, the, the problem is, is trying to, you know, every year you're looking at the crystal ball, trying to decide, you know, how the orders are and how much we need to ramp up. What we've done is we our business models um, 
worked, re- you know, pretty good so far for us. I mean, we're, we're still in business, I guess. So, but the problem is, is every year we are taking and uh, have been ramping up to try to soak up the, soak up the orders. And it seems like every year we're just, just a little, little short of that, you know? So we end up getting a little bit back ordered at times, but I mean, like I said, in the last four years, we've added three big pieces of equipment and, um, you know, and trying to get them, them running. And, and, and like I said, we're always trying to, trying to grow as the orders grow. Um, but right. we don't want to take and put ourselves in a deficit and overshoot that and have, you know, machines sitting there because that, that hurts. What, so, so one thing that, that people might wonder is what, do, what do one of those machines cost by chance? If you don't mind saying, um, the, the, the horizontal mills, which is what, um, like I said, we're, we moved to, I mean, when my dad was running this, we had all vertical mills and, um, they're not the most efficient. And so we've moved to horizontal mills. A horizontal mill will go anywhere from 350,000 to 750,000 for a horizontal mill. And so that's why just one of those things for people. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to say you only have to sell about a million more sites to pay for that. Thing. Right. Yeah. So the expansion is not something like, oh, we should just get a couple of these and have them sitting here in case we need them. It's not one of those deals like you really have to calculate, you know, if we can justify that expense. Will the orders be there? Because if you order them, you get a machine like that and invest that kind of money. You have to have in the back of mind. I have to have that pay for itself. Do we have the orders to justify it? And right. so, you know, like I said, depending on how, you know, depending on how much you, you know, so it's, it's a challenge to try to balance that. Right. Um, so real quick, we'll go back into the product stuff. You guys just launched a new site. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Or I guess not, not a new site, but a new pin, pin guard that's a little bit more adjustable and stuff. Yeah, we, um, we came out with a vertical in a a micro adjustable vertical pin site. Um, We had such popularity with our double pin. It's our number one seller, our double pin. But one of the requests we got over and over is they wanted more pins and they wanted them adjustable. And so what we did is we can't, we basically took that Intel and we, you know, there's been other vertical pins out, but we wanted to do the spot hog version. You know, the one that's tough, the one that's going to be there when you need it the one that I put on my bow, you know, we wanted that, that version. And so what we did is we came out with a uh, three pin micro adjustable vertical pin site. What's, what's really cool about it is we have the all metal pins inside of it with using the bulletproof pin technology. So there's no exposed fibers. Uh, We have all the fiber wrapped on top of the pin guard. So it's going to be as bright as any site out there. Um, Yep. And the other thing that's, probably the coolest you know it kind of complements the pin i mean the pin guard's bulletproof i mean it's a it's a great side it's got the the uh the the mrt rings the multicolored rings for the front that you can screw on and off and it's lens lens accessible but the cool thing is is for our movables uh we have actually a three pin pointer so you can adjust and it's adjustable so you basically you can adjust the pins to to correspond or adjust the pointers to correspond with each pin so that if you do end up adjusting the site and rolling that, that knob, you will know exactly which, where each pin is located because of the site tape and 
And so it, it is actually a super awesome movable hunting slash 3D. Um, I mean, kind of anything you want to do with it type site. And it's been going really well. That's a cool feature for a lot of guys that don't know kind of what, what that could capture is, is like, for instance, you sight in your three pins at 20, 30, 40, right? You set those indicators at 20, 30, 40. And now when you roll up to like 60 or 70 yards, now it might be like 70, uh, six or 72 and then uh 65 or something like that right so now yeah. you know what each of those pins have a value of at longer yardages versus a stereotypical pin or multi multi-site is you're you're basically sighting your whole tape off of your bottom pin and and that's your indicator right so when you go at 70 you don't know what those other pins are valued at where with yours now you know what the value of those pins are and it should be pretty accurate. Right? Oh, hundred percent. That that's the whole thing is you know not everybody understands that once you if you have three pins on there on a movable and you rotate it, you you basically create one pin that's a floater. This is you know normally, and you and you right. know what that. But okay. the other pins are wow. the other pins or pointers are not wouldn't be accurate anymore. So you can't just like I said twenty thirty forty it wouldn't be accurate. So now because of those pointers and they correspond to the pin, if I move it, as long as I have an accurate sight tape on there, which most archers would have that, um, it would be, uh, you'd know exactly what each pin corresponds to. So it is, it's real slick and it works really well. And then one last question on your guys' processes and everything. Um, what's your guys' guarantee or like warranty or any of that, you know, that, that kind of stuff on your guys' products? Yeah, all of our stuff's got a light, lifetime warranty um, with the exception of the, the fibers. I mean, they just over time will get brittle and whatnot. But, um, yeah, all of our stuff's got a lifetime warranty. I mean, that's something we're, you know, we stand behind it. You know, that we build the durability into it. We have no problem standing behind our stuff. So it's one of those things we get. We get in sites all the time that are 10, 15 years old and people are expecting, you know, um, maybe they, you know, it, it, maybe they, it fell out of a tree stand or something. And, you know, they're like, man, I've had this site for 15 years. I'll, it's my bad. We'll, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pay for it. And they're just surprised. We're like, not, nope, we'll take care of you. So, um, that's, it's, it's something that we've always stood behind our stuff because we believe in our stuff. So. Right. Well, and that, that goes to the testament of the quality of it. So it's easy to make a lifetime guarantee on something that you're going to see so few returns because of a quality issue to begin with. So um, with that being said, let's kind of go over the product line, uh, Cabe. Um, let's go, let's talk about the sites first. Um, so kind of run, give us a run through on some of the options with your sites and, and your most popular sites as well. Okay. Um, I, I get our, uh, our kind of our basics beginner site or entry level site for a fixed pin as we have the uh, grinder we have a grinder and a grinder micro um and basically the only difference is is one's micro adjustable one's not they don't have second and third axis leveling so they're a little um i guess basic um you can get those with anywhere from a three pin to a seven pin uh and then our next fixed pins is our hoggett and our hunter and basically, those two sites do have micro adjustability, or not micro. They do have the third axis and second axis leveling in it, and those also you can get in a three to five pin uh, uh, housing. 
And they are the only difference between those two sites is they're exactly the same except for how they mount to the bow. So a hunter would hard mount to the bow and a hogget has a, do- a removable dovetail. So uh, some people really like a removable dovetail if they're shooting tournaments or if they're traveling to hunting spots, they can put it in a bow case um, to get it on a plane or whatnot. So those are the only difference between those. And those are our fixed pin sites. And those are kind of our, what's been our bread and butter for the last 20 years. Um, but there's been kind of an evolution over to the movable side, um, back, you know, back in the nineties, if you shot a movable site, people thought, oh, you know, you're a, you're a target shooter, you know? So, but what, what's happened over the last 10 years is there's been evolution that people are hunting with these movable sites and they're either having, you know, one pin, a two, two pin, which is probably our most popular, or they do a multi-pin on there. And so what it does is it allows people to be able to shoot the longer distances and practice the longer distances. I mean, obviously we all want to, you know, if we're hunting a situation, we all want to get that 20 yard shot, but you know, to be able to take and practice the longer distances to refine your skills is super nice. And it's also kind of a reality call and like, how far should I be shooting my, you know, shooting my bow at an animal. And so it's kind of nice, but uh, our, our, we have a movable, our most popular movable side is our Fast Eddie line, and we have a Fast Eddie XL and a regular Fast Eddie. And basically the same thing as with the Hog and Hunter, the only difference is, is how it mounts to the bow. One is a hard mount to the bow, and the other has the dovetail for, for removing it. And we can get those in anywhere from a one pin all the way up to a seven pin. And then our last, and our, I guess our, our high-end movables, we have what uh, the Tommy, the Tommy Hog, and the Hogfather. And basically, those are have a little bit more micro-adjustability to them. Uh, so with the Fast Eddie, you, you rotate the dial, and you lock it in place, and you shoot it. With the Tommy Hog and the Hogfather, um, you, you can get it close to the yards, and you actually have vertical micro-adjustable clicks. So you can just, with a click here and a click there, you can dial it right in as opposed to taking and have to try to eyeball it. Um, and the difference between the Tommy and the Hogfather is, is the same as the others in that one's a dovetail removable and one's a hard mount to the bow. And well, and so, and to give you an example, I hunted with, uh, well, I shot target with the Hogfather for a lot of years. And of course I moved it straight over to hunting as well, because it, it, it took different pinheads and everything that you offer. Uh, and eventually I, I, uh, started shooting one of the double pins as kind of a, I was a little scared to go from like the classic five pin side pin mover or the three pin uh, to a two pin that was a mover because I wasn't sure how I could use it. And an example that I could uh, share with the audience is, is um, on your standard double pin, you sight that in at 20 yards for the top pin typically. And then the second pin usually lands somewhere for me around 35 yards uh, based off of the speed of your boat. So when I move that down to 50 yards, then it sets the second pin as it would fall into um, a little bit different. So what's nice is when I walk in the woods with that double pin, I would set it at about 32 yards for the top pin. That sets the second pin at around 42 yards. And I, now I feel confident that I could shoot about 45 yards or less without moving the site because I know where everything is. Um, so that's the big advantage of that. And then I have a clearer view because it's a vertical pin versus horizontal pins of targets moving in or out of uh, the, the range of that site. Um, so they have been 
crazy bomb proof for me. And uh, the first year I ever used it, uh, the double pin, I killed a deer and an elk four days apart and never had to move the site. I killed the elk at 27 yards, so I split pins on it. And I killed a deer at 36 yards, so I used the bottom pin because it was already at 35. Um, so I, it gained confidence immediately with me, and it made it easier to talk about with customers on real experience. Yeah, the um, it's really that double pin's really nice to have that second aiming reference because in the past, if you had just one pin, and and the animal moved or you had it, you kind of had to wing it. But knowing where that second pin is makes it so you can bracket it and always make sure that you know as long as it's relatively close you know within that range you you can always make a good shot because you can just bracket in between and it works it works amazing and like i said it's the double pin has been our number one seller and so it you know having that vertical pin for that that great field of view and then be, being able to keep it simple so that you know if you get a lot of pins out there some people in that moment of excitement i've been known to do it myself will you know miss pin and use the wrong pin and end up you know making a mistake but if you can keep it simple, which that, that double pin does, it works fantastic. Yep. And that's why I'm looking forward. And I will try this year, the three pin mover because of exactly what we've described about it earlier. You can sight in each site very precisely to what you want each pin perfectly to what you want. And if you do move it and you walk in the woods with it set in a certain spot, it's the same thing that you've always known as an archer. Uh, one pin is set at each different yardage. And now you feel confident that you can make a shot without moving it. Cause that's kind of the principle there. Uh, you know, you, you don't make, and, and I need to point out too, is, is your mover sites are not designed so that everybody can go shoot a deer or an elk at a hundred yards. It's got the capability. We know that. And it's got the accuracy. We know that, but you know, there's an efficacy that always needs to be in play on passive animals, taking your first shot close and it's good follow-up shots. It's fun for three D's. It's fun to gain distance in shooting. Cause we all like to see how accurate we can be at distance. Um, so most of the long range stuff is classically used for targets and practice and all your classic archery shots are typically 40 yards or less anyway. Um, it's just really nice that your sights will go out to any distance and still be as accurate as they are at close distance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, I mean, every archer knows this. You always want to see what you can do at the longer distances, you know? So, you know, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time in, you know, in practice or even in hunting camp shooting targets out to, you know, you know, as far as we can, but we don't shoot animals like that. I mean, we, we all have our, our personal range that we feel like we can make an ethical shot. And, you know, sometimes even for myself, some years is better than others, depending on how much practice I put in, how much um, time I put into, you know, fine tuning my equipment. And so, um, but like I said, we always want that, that close shot, but it is nice to have that adjustability for, for, you know, betting against your friends or, or like you said, if you ever have to unfortunately take a follow-up shot, you know, you, you know, you might be able to get another arrow in it and, and, uh, save the day. So, um, it's, 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 yeah. it's a very nice, nice feature. And it really gives you kind of the best of both worlds to have multi pins and on a mover because you can if it's in that in, inside your pins you can take a shot if it's close but you know it's one of those deals that if you have to take a follow-up shot you're not just winging arrows and guessing you know you can take an ethical follow-up shot yep so at i know i think we've covered the sites pretty well now so let's talk about the releases uh, before as we move on so um 
you got two styles of releases what we're going to nickname command releases which are kind of the rips wrist strap style that you shoot with your index finger classically and then you have t-handle releases something that you grab with your your fingers and you draw back the bow so on your uh command releases you've got the wise guy and the tough and the tough guy um one's a hook and one closes up Describe the differences that you've engineered into both of um, those. What, the, the internal mechanism and how the internal mechanism works is, is relatively the same. We did, we did make some minute adjustments on the tough guy. But one of the things that pretty much all the release manufacturers do is they do what's called a double sear. Um, we aren't the biggest fan of the double sear. And so what we did is we came up with a different kind of technology, which I mean, we call it an over the center technology, but basically what it is is you can set the release pretty light trigger and it still be really safe with a double sear. If you start setting the trigger pretty light, it becomes, um, it becomes unsafe. Uh, the other really nice feature is with a double sear is they tend to wear a little bit as you use them and will make that trigger usually get harder and harder and harder to press. And you always have to kind of go back and, and adjust it well with the over the center technology um once you get it set it'll stay there for a very very long time you won't have to put an allen wrench in there and constantly be messing with it once you get it set to your desired trigger pull it is wonderful and so none of our releases at all use a double sear because we feel like that's um it's not something we wanted in our personal equipment we wanted a release that would that we could set fairly light and be safe, and we wanted a release that uh, that wouldn't change on us. Those are two super important things as an archer, and so for us, that's what we wanted. So all of our releases use the same technology, just in some different handles and forms, and uh, so that's that's why our releases are a little different. And uh, if you know, it's and it, we we love them; they work great. Oh, yeah. And well, and that same technology that you're describing there rolls over to the whippersnapper as well. It just is the way it actuates is slightly different because you grab it with your fist and you draw it back uh, a T-handle release with a thumb button. Um, so the whippersnapper uh, has an open and a closed gate. It also has a three and a four finger version. Uh, so if you want to clip it onto the D loop and let it hang, like if you're in a ground blind or tree stand situation, you typically see archers go to the closed jaw version of that. So it will stay on the, the loop. Uh, I prefer the hook style because it allows me to kind of move it towards the loop and just hook up pretty quick. Cause I'm always, you know, walking around with it when I, if I'm going to be using it uh, like on a 3d course or hunting. Um, and they all have a hole designed into the back of it so you can put a lanyard uh, or a wrist strap on it if you want to so that you always have a home for it. Yeah, the, um, it's kind of ironic because when we first designed the closed jaw, um, we thought it was going to be a tar more for targets. You know, people feel safer having a closed jaw. And little did we know that people sitting in tree stands and ground blinds would like to just hook it up to their D-loop and let it sit there. And so, uh, they, like you said, there's a lot of people that use it for hunting that, in just the st that style. Yeah, that's what we noticed. And then it makes them feel a little bit more confident that it won't slip off. Now, ironically, this the confidence level on being a closed jaw usually is just less experience with uh, hooks to begin with. So what we've seen is customers always look at open jawed releases and they're afraid, oh man, when I'm drawing that back, it's going to slip off. It's just impossible to do that unless you're trying to force it to, to prove the point. Um, 
because the D loop rotates no matter what hand position you've got as you draw the bow back, it's going to be hooked onto it. So um, that's something as they experience that, they feel confident in it. But as anyone went to a hook, they usually say to themselves, what if I do right. it wrong? It's going to shoot. Um, that, that The most common way that it shoots is uh, uh, that somebody's touching the trigger when they draw it back, just like any weapon that has a trigger on it. Uh, releases are pretty bomb-proof, and yours especially can be set hair-like trigger and still be strong as an ox unless right. you touch the trigger. Yeah, <laughs> so, the, uh, that open jaw, I personally, I'm like you, I hunt with the, the open jaw because I like that quick that, that quick hookup. I mean, there's nothing quicker than an open jaw. Um, one of the things that, that, you know, we do when we're, you know, at the shows and showing, showing customers and whatnot is that they're like, oh, I'm worried about this slipping off. Well, if you have them actually grab that release and start twisting their hands see, and they see how far they have to twist the release before it slips off the D-loop, their eyes, their eyes get big. They're like, oh, man, I'm never going to twist the release like that. Um, but, yeah, you're 100% right. You know, with our releases, uh, you know, and most releases, you know, usually bumping the trigger is usually 90% of the problem is, you know, when you're drawing it back is, is bumping it, so. Yeah. Well, we see, uh, we, we just opened our, uh, uh, another shop in Lacey, uh, Washington, and, uh, we had somebody shooting one that touched it off too, and, and sent one up into the rubber mats, you know, as we call it, you know, so we helped them get it down with the ladder and, and then it's a good learning experience. So our indoor range teaches a lot of people how to, how to treat their equipment and, and they don't realize if you bump releases when you draw them back, you're going to shoot them because it's not like a rifle. Right. There's not a button to click that turns it safe to fire. Um, it's your your hand position. So um, that, that's it, it's just funny that that seems to happen no matter what. So it was day one, and we still launched one, you know, 10 feet above the target. Uh, and it's a little bit of sky drawing that he, he learned not to do now and then keeping your thumb in a certain spot because he was shooting a um, – your your release so it, it was uh a did neat you, learning uh, experience for somebody did you make him sign his name next to the hole in the wall <laughs> we well henry knows this like in our, in our shop uh <laughs> first if somebody shoots the wall we make them sign their their name next to the little hole and put a little arrow it's kind of the, the i guess that we had and believe yeah. me, my name's up there too <laughs> but above it <laughs> or if you leave your arrows there then they they end up with a bunch <laughs> of signatures too, too. <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, it's just the indoor archery joke, you know. It's uh, our guy that spent our first dollar also shot the first arrow in between the bells that we can't get out <laughs> until we move the bells, so we're going to make it perfect that too. So, <laughs> so as you've mentioned, you're you're you guys are avid archers and stuff, and and you know we've shot a lot on the tournament scene and stuff like that. With that, you cut, you know, you kind of know that you guys have like a shooting staff and things like that. Who are some of the people that you guys have um, shoot for you we guys now? Are, are, uh, this is a tough question because every we value everybody so much on our staff because they all contribute so much to what we do. Um, but, you know, some of the names that, you know, probably a lot of your listeners would recognize, um, we've, you know, we've been working with Cameron Haynes since, you know, the very, you know, right away at the very beginning of when we started uh doing you know doing sites when we moved over from the rest and started doing the sites we started working with cameron haynes so we have a long um relationship um with him that's been fantastic um right along yeah. with some signature series cameron haynes products as well right like a release and then you guys used to have like the 
the signature series yeah. seven deadly pins and yeah and we did we like did that. all that early so. on and then when we went to the movables uh cam really got uh you know into shooting the long distance you guys people's probably seen him shooting balloons at over 100 yards and whatnot and so yeah, he he wanted to. He got it kind of into the on the movable side, but yeah, we do a release with him. We do um, we do uh, uh, some a, a lot of site stuff with him. He, but yeah, he's been great to work with, and and we've been working with him for a long time. Uh, we've worked with um, uh, the Red Arrow crew recently. Um, we work in, and we just started working with John Dudley, which has been awesome. He's been a great addition to our our staff. Uh, we we've worked with Lee and Tiffany for a long time as well. Um, like I said, I'm trying to. Na- There's so many people that contribute, uh, but the you know those are some some of the names. Oh, that, yeah. Like I said, that are are pretty well known in our industry that we like I said have a great relationship with and we've been working with them for a long time and um, we're really blessed because uh, they're all really great people. Yeah. Um you know and, and i i know you guys built some tournament stuff do you guys currently have any tournament shooters using i mean there's always going to be tournament shooters using it but do you guys have anybody currently on like targets targets yeah staff we, or we like have your guys' rest or any that, of that um, stuff shoot our rest uh like you know some of the we do some of the top guys like we we sponsor and work with uh, mike schlossner he is from the netherlands i believe um, and he's one of the top t- target archers mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, we've worked with Chris Schaff. We've worked with, um, uh, oh, we've worked with Real Wild. Real Wild's one of our, um, he's been with us for a long time as well. He's one of the top indoor archers and archers in general. Uh, let's see who else here. Um, Chris Perkins. We've been working with Chris Perkins. And so, yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of guy, a lot of target shooters that shoot our rests um and in love them and so we've had a pretty good uh run with that and again been pretty blessed and pretty lucky to have those guys uh supporting us and we support them too so i know i'm forgetting some names here uh off the top of my head i should have brought a list um because i know i'm forgetting someone but yeah (laughs) like i said we're we're pretty blessed with our our staff in general yeah and then um real quick where do you see your guys or spot hog in five five well, to ten my years? hope is that we're gonna continue making you know top-notch products for the industry helping people to enjoy archery and you know as much as we do uh, my hope would be that you know we can keep growing and be stable and we can uh, continue supplying everybody with the you know the dependable products that they know and love and and, you know, I think as far as I'm concerned, if we can keep going strong and keep on the tra- trajectory we're going, I think uh, I think everybody's going to be really happy. Yeah, keep, right, keep doing exactly. things the spot hog way, right? <laughs> yep. Well, and, and then to wrap up, Gabe, I, I want to touch back on one one thing that you mentioned that I relate to is, is like you were talking about you build your products based around archery and your love for archery. So it makes you not so great businessmen. Well, there's, it's kind of, it, that's, that's a little bit double tongued because you're, you're still in business. You're great businessmen or at least good enough to get where you're at now. So that's a testament to that, but it's your desire to grow archery and make better archery products that keeps that alive. So I know a lot of your uh, employees that you have down there because I've, 
I've shot with them all over the Northwest, you know, so um, you hire people that love the sport too. And that makes it even easier to make good products because you use them 100%. as sounding boards. It's I assume you do like we do. hiring archers is they all want the same vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we struggle with the same thing. Like we uh, just opened a shop in Lacey and we hired Ryan Black and he's a, a competitive archer too and a, an avid hunter. And the problem is, is hiring somebody that loves the sport. <laughs> it's weird how that works. Sport. <laughs> so that's not the good. That, yeah, that's the uh, bad decisions that we make in right. business is we hire people that love it. Right. But so it's, that's the double edged sword. We're willing to, to take that and uh, go, all right, it's going to be tight this weekend because there's a tournament coming up and everybody wants to go. Uh, you know, Henry Bass it, it, sitting here with me. He wants to shoot all the shoots, too, and he's going to go to the shoots. And and I had somebody that wanted to work with, with him in the shop that we're going to set up in Battleground, and he wants to shoot them. And I was like, listen, if I hire you, it's because Henry's gone. <laughs> so I can't, we both can't be gone. So um, it, so that's the, the thing that sometimes is, is great, and that helps us uh, move forward in our businesses. But it's also not the wisest business decision, but – the yeah. question is, is, is it, you know, cause it helps us. Yeah. I better. think having people that love it, um, you get a lot, you get a lot of feedback, you get a lot of passion with that. And so, um, that is, that's, like you said, it's a double-edged sword. You need that, I think to be successful, but it's also, <laughs> you're a little shorthanded when you need it the most. <laughs> right. That's, that's my <laughs> Everybody issue. Wants to like, we literally have right. to strategize. All right. You, you get to go the first two weeks. You get to go the second two weeks. So we literally have to sit down and strategize because we can't have everybody gone at the same time. Right. Well, we, we do that same exact thing and we kind of, you know, do these joking bids and, and everything else for it. Who wants off when? And so it took me over 15 years in our, my yes. business before I could go for more than a week. <laughs> so, and a lot of people think, oh, I'll just shut down during that time. <laughs> well, that's the strategy. But it, it, we, but we want to keep supporting archers that don't necessarily go out during the same time and uh, support them. So, hey, to wrap it up, buddy, I appreciate you meeting with us and talking to us. Uh, you're down in um, Harrisburg, uh, Springfield. Um, oh, sorry, Harrisburg. I knew that. Uh, we're, you're down in Harrisburg, Oregon. Uh, we're up here in Lacey, Washington, right now, uh, doing this podcast. So, if you hear a couple of little glitches in the phone or the connection, that's just uh, normal where we're at. But um, Appreciate uh, you taking the time to explain the business to us and explain uh, your sites and your visions and uh, go over that new site that you got coming out. I know a lot of people will be excited about that. Uh, so to answer that one last question is, is when is that going to be available um, to send out That's to, a million get, dollar uh, question, to the masses? Man. We're aiming for to start delivering in May, but to, unfortunately, we are already have so many orders for that site that it is nuts. I mean, we are literally, mm -hmm. um, last week we went from 1000 to 3000 orders in four days. And so I'm not exactly sure right. how long and, the um, I'm not exactly sure when the delivery time is going to be. Now we're going to start <clears throat> delivering in May is, 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 um, what is the plan at this point? And so it's just, it, so is that head interchangeable yep, with your sure fast eddies I mean, that you currently that, have? You know, this is, we've been told before, this is bad business, but to make things interchangeable. Um, our customers love it. It's something we would want as a customer. Um, but most people would, you know, want it a whole new site, you know. And uh, 
And so one of the things is by doing it interchangeable, if you already have one of our products, you should be able to mount this right up to it. So people don't have to buy, you know, a whole new site to be able to get, you know, get the features that, that come with this. Well, and I'm, the reason I mentioned that is uh, not to cut out a cell for your other sites, but it's uh, uh, because of the, the demand is so high and will, I feel like will be so high on this site for some time. There are a lot of people that buy, want that your, your site, they could start out with a, you know, a grinder head on it or a double pin head on it and then transfer over to um, the other site when they feel confident in True. it and it's more readily available too. Oh, absolutely. So it's worth the wait like I said, that I'm getting we, We've tried to do that with all of our products is make them as interchangeable as we can. And like I said, some people say that's bad business because, you know, they, they you know, as a, as a manufacturer one, then they have to buy a whole new site. Well, that's never been our style. And so it's kind of one of those deals that is showing up again, but like I said, as a consumer, as a customer, that's what I'd want as an archer. And I think that that's what a lot of, uh, we want to take care of the people that have been loyal and, and have bought our products in the past too. So. Well, that, I think that's a smart decision there. So, well, um, any, any advice that you'd give to your, uh, the people that may be listening out there um, uh, before we wrap it up? And I guess, uh, enjoy enjoy the time we got we got some freedom you know we got a lot of craziness going on right now and i'll tell you what the only it seems like it's the most normal when i can get out and shoot my bow and step away from everything and so um that's that's one of the things i think a lot of people are doing i just encourage people to keep doing it because i i know that that seems that about the only thing that's normal right now well we appreciate it buddy and um, if you um, want to listen to more podcasts uh, or you want to know more about um, Spot Hog, you can find them online. Uh, it's S P O T H O G G. Uh, so it's Spot Hog with two G's and uh, archeryworld.net if you're interested in anything that we got going on in the shop. And you can follow us on Instagram as well as Spot Hog is, uh, uh, as well, too. So appreciate that very awesome. much, Cabe, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Cade, and thanks, everybody, for joining us.